All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's leaves. To the line, Hughes scores! In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you as always by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That'll get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Z E P H Y R Epic.com is the URL that you're going to want to visit if you want to shop online. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs, so be sure to go check them out, and you can enjoy free shipping Canada wide on any order over $50. They've also got a retail location in Surrey, so be sure to go check them out. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined by Harmon Dial. Uh, back-to-back episodes for us, bud. This it, it has been a while. Like We were talking on the last show about how it had been a while since you and I did a show alone, but the fact that we done we've done one back to back now, I don't I don't know if that's ever happened. It's also crazy because over the weekend I was thinking, man, I can't imagine that there's going to be a lot of news that happens in between our last show and this one. And I was like, man, it might be sort of a boring show where we're just kind of going to be previewing the first two games against Edmonton. And then even arriving at the rink today, I was thinking, wow, okay, they're practicing back at Rogers Arena instead of UBC. The opening at roster is set. The NHL regular season starts today. And it's been relatively quiet for the Canucks so far. In my head, as Patrick Alvin's about to come up and do, do a press conference with the media assembled at the arena, I'm thinking, man, I, I wonder how long the team can go without any drama and just have a quiet start to the season. And then literally two minutes after Alvin is done speaking, we have the report from Elliot Friedman about Connor Garland. And I'm like, wow, it's begun already. So I was at Faber's wedding over the weekend. We'll talk about the wedding tomorrow when Chris is back on the show. I know he wanted to be here today, but it was cutting a little too close. He couldn't make it, but we'll talk about it tomorrow, the wedding and all that. But I was on the ferry back from the island and I was texting you. I'm like, whoa, buddy, lots to talk about Sam Lafferty. And up until about an hour and a half ago, that was the plan. So I obviously I had to get the article for Canucks Army. We had a lot of stuff going on. So people will notice that the thumbnail for this video for the YouTube live show is Sam Lafferty. And the title is Connor Garland trade winds are blowing. So here we go. Connor Garland, let's get it up here, Aaron, the report, also producer, uh, technical producer, Aaron Bordato, who I'm going to bring into the show later to talk about uh, talk about some baseball in the Betway Bet of the Day part. But uh, let's bring up the tweet here, Aaron, from Elliot Friedman, who had the report that the Vancouver Canucks have granted Connor Garland and his new agent, in the last 48 hours is what Garland said, as he hired his agent, permission to talk to other teams about a potential trade. Freeman goes on to talk about the tight cap situation around the NHL. Harmon, just your initial thoughts on this report. Yeah, the timing of this report coming out is odd the day before the Canucks start their season, but I'm not surprised overall that both sides would prefer to move on here. In terms of the side of the agent has been given permission to seek a trade, that's usually first and foremost a bad sign in terms of a player's value. We went through the situation with Brock Besser last year when in the middle of the year we had the Hockey Night in Canada, similar sort of thing, Elliot, came out and reported it. And in the ensuing several weeks to come, the Canucks didn't really find suitable trade offers uh, for Brock. And of course, at the end of the season, he ended up rescinding his, um, his trade request. When you grant the agent permission to seek a trade, it's sort of like a last resort option. And it makes sense because you're looking around the team and who honestly has the cap space? There are only seven teams with... 3 million or more left right now 
especially with Garland having term left on his deal beyond this season, it's hard to trade a contract like that, especially for a non-star winger, even though Garland is a pretty valuable player, um, one who, if he plays up to his potential, can actually actually live up to uh, that, um, that cap hit that um, he has. But sort of looking at the relationship dynamic, it's interesting after his first season, I had a one-on-one interview with him, um, an article that went up at The Athletic, and he was really honest about how he hadn't felt like himself all year. And my biggest takeaway is I just don't think he's ever felt comfortable on and off the ice um, in Vancouver. For starters, I mean, he told me he's a guy that likes the same thing over and over again, that he hates change. And, I mean, you look, you look at it so far, obviously there's the – hockey side of it in terms of three head coaches that he's um, gone through so far, management management changed, playing all over the lineup. But also when you move from Arizona, which is arguably the quietest market in the NHL to Vancouver, considering all the drama that's been, that's been around this team the last two years, all the storylines and Garland's name, his name himself has constantly been floating around in the rumor mill. Like that must be a big shock to the system and sort of affecting, you know, weighing on him me- mentally perhaps. And, you know, it's noteworthy, for example, that he at some point even deleted his Twitter account uh, to try and block out the noise. And I remember the first time those trade rumors came up, it wasn't the easiest thing for him to deal with. And on the flip side of it, this management group hasn't been nearly as fond fond of him as the last regime since the first day they took over. So it just feels like one of those things where both sides – could use a, a fresh start here. The Canucks would prefer the cap space and Kirk Garland would, I, I think in an ideal world, um, like to hit the reset button, but we'll see. This isn't going to necessarily be an easy contract move. Harm, I can't hear you at all. Didn't hear the last two minutes. I'm going to have to reconnect real quick, but I want you to think about this thought because I'm assuming you're still talking about Connor Garland. And it was funny yes. because I had this thought the other day before this report even came out, and I want your take on it while I reconnect. I want your take. Just talk about this, what you think, because I I had the thought that these wingers that we're seeing, and and we've seen it as a result of the flat cap, how so devalued wingers are right now in the NHL. With the idea that the cap is going to go up, we heard the preliminary guess from Gary Bettman to be around 85, 88 million. If it goes up, we would assume there'd be some sort of market correction on wingers, would we not? I'm going to reconnect. At least to some extent. It may not bounce back fully because perhaps teams have are sort of really doubled down. And, and you see trends change over time, right? Like goaltenders, for example, I think in, in light of a lot of these long-term deals for players like Jack Campbell, uh, not aging very well, for example, and I know Connor Hallibuck's an exception as an elite goaltender, but you're typically, I think, going to see a change in the goalie market in terms of how, how those um, players are sort of um, invested in. And, and I do wonder how much of it will rebound. I think it will to a certain extent, but maybe teams will look at the, look at, okay, are non-star wingers sort of easier to replace and perhaps it's an adaptation that just sort of sticks. But yeah, I mean, the, the big thing too is at the end of the season, Garland's going to have two years left on his contract as opposed to now when he has three years. And the less term that you have remaining on a guy's deal, the easier typically is going to be to move that type of contract. I mean, 
you go back through the offseason and to find a middle six winger making just shy of $5 million with three years left, I don't know how many, especially an undersized one who isn't necessarily a power play ace, I can't recall too many of those winger types that were easy to trade and, and had a lot of value this past offseason. But of course, you're going to have teams with more flexibility. I mean, a good example is the Ottawa Senators, right? The Senators are a team that before they went out and got Tarasenko, you could have looked at and went, they have a need to bolster their middle six, especially to improve their five on five secondary scoring. The problem is they just had no cap space. And you even see it right now where they, ha- where they haven't been able to uh, afford Shane Pinto. So that's a perfect example of at least like one opportunity where in an alternate environment where the cap was, let's say, a few, mil- few million higher, maybe there would have been a way for the Canucks to work out a trade with the senator- Senators. And I think those are the types of opportunities that may open up in the offseason. That's why I'm not, you know, look, maybe there's a way for the Canucks to make it work right now. but. I just think it it still makes sense if there isn't an obvious taker to ride it out for another season, have Garland be a valuable five and five piece for you, and then re-explore the trade market down the road, especially because let's not forget Garland is still a genuinely valuable player. He's tied with JT Miller um, for second in team five and five scoring since he arrived in Vancouver with 78 points. And you look at him compared to a guy like Brock Besser, 5-on-5 five five scoring, Garland has 10 more goals at 5-on-5 five five and 23 more points over the last two seasons. He's a legit driver. And even when you look at the underlying metrics, whatever line that he typically plays on, they do a better job of controlling shots, spending more time in the offensive zone. Um, they don't allow a lot defensively. So if you're the Canucks, I don't see a reason why you have to just dump him for nothing or pay a sweetener to get off uh, of that contract. Um, it may make sense to sort of play it like Brock last year, where it's like, okay, if somebody steps up and and has a suitable offer, you you take that opportunity. Otherwise, you ride it out and you let him be a middle six contributor for you. My take on Garland basically comes down to that he's not the right fit in Vancouver. And I think he's feeling that way as well. Because because honestly, Harmon, like we talked about how he talks about how he's a big routine guy. He's never been able to stick in the top six and he doesn't have a home on the first power play unit. And what I largely attribute that to is despite being given opportunities to do it for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to mesh with Elias Pettersson. Like he has not been good when he's with Elias Pettersson. And the fact that that hasn't been able to be something that the Canucks can look to for more than a 10 game stretch, it looks like they're going to open the season that way, but that's only because Ilya Mikheyev's hurt right now. I I think the fact that he hasn't been able to mesh with Elias Pettersson. Yeah, he's had some flashes with JT Miller, but but namely Elias Pettersson, I just feel like that's what is going to basically basically cause the end of his time in Vancouver is that he just doesn't have a place in the top six. Yeah, it's been a strange sort of dynamic where Garland for whatever reason, just hasn't been able to find that chemistry. And I think the reason is because he has such a unique playing playing style, which can be tough to read off of, is a little bit unpredictable. And the other thing to keep in mind is that Garland is a pretty puck-dominant player. He likes to lug it through the neutral zone. In the offensive end, he holds on to it a lot. And he wants to do those spins and, and turns. And he has erratic tendencies. For instance, the way that he'll look at 
trying to fire so many odd angled, sharp angled shots. And, and it, it's just for Pedersen, I can understand why as another puck dominant player, it may not be the best fit for him to play with. And I think even organizationally, ever since management took over, one of the first things that I just sort of kept hearing behind the scenes was just that he's not a Rutherford type player, especially with the, with the size. I think they view him as more of a, a perimeter player, even though he plays a feistier style. I just don't think he fits their vision of how they want to play. Um, North-South, strong, strong along the walls. And even though he has uh, a, a history with Rick Tockett, it's, it's not really the perfect fit for how Tockett wants to play either. Plus, even under Bruce Boudreau, they weren't the best fit either. Let's not forget that when the team was struggling at the start of the season last year, Garland was the guy that Boudreau picked on as a healthy scratch um, on that first road trip, even though I was looking at Garland and I'm I'm thinking, like, man, he wasn't even, like, sure, he wasn't playing particularly well, but uh, defensively, he wasn't a liability. Like, you could have easily picked anybody else in the top nine, and it actually felt sort of odd to me that he had picked on um, Garland. So I don't think that was the best fit either. It's just been an awkward fit for both sides on and off the ice. And I actually... To be totally honest, I've been surprised that Garland has made it through two trade deadlines and through two off-seasons with this uh, management group. Faber and I are going to talk about Sam Lafferty tomorrow, but I think that's one of, there's a lot, but one of the many criticisms of the Benning regime is it feels like the players they were giving up draft capital to acquire, whether that be a top six or a bottom six player, they just weren't the right fit. It was just a player that they had heard did well or was doing well somewhere else. And they it just didn't seem like they had a really good handle on how a player was going to fit. And we're going to talk about the Lafferty acquisition tomorrow. But I really like Lafferty on this team, just being a north-south guy. I think he's a big upgrade on what they were going to have on that fourth line. We won't talk too much uh, about Sam Lafferty on today's show. But back to Garland. Uh, there was this tweet from Satyar Shah, our pal over at Sportsnet 650 there. Um, and this is what he said. He said, Garland is owed $17 million in cash over the next three years. For context, there were four forwards who received more total money than Garland is owed in free agency this summer. Comfer, Kalorn, Engvall, and Ryan O'Reilly. In other words, Godspeed. Garland's owned, owed $6 million in cash this season. This is his most expensive season. Uh, and you just brought up the two trade, trade deadline things. If there was a time when his contract maybe looked the best or easiest to pitch to an ownership group, it would have been the last two seasons when he was making less than his cap hit. But this season, he's up to $6 million. So, in other words, as, as Sat said, Godspeed. But back to our original point, the move here has to be to let him play out the season in Vancouver, right? Like, you should not be in a rush. We talked about the potential market correction that we're going to see. You do not want to be the first team to, you know, one of the first teams that people look at when this all gets corrected, if it happens and say, holy cow, they gave up a middle six winger that's producing at five on five for that. Like before we kind of move on here, Harmon, I'll ask you that. What is the best return you think the Canucks realistically could get for Connor Garland if they traded him this week? I don't know if he'd be a positive value asset. To be totally honest, I I would be surprised. And the other thing to keep in mind is 
the team's at a point right now, when you look at their top nine winger, winger situation, they're kind of thin, to be totally honest. I think more thin than a lot of us sort of expected because Pod Colson has been really disappointing and is down in the American League when we expected that he'd be an everyday contributor. Hoaglander started strong in camp but has faded in preseason. You've got Mikheyev, who is sounds like he is going to return soon but may not be ready for the season opener. But even when he does return, coming off such an, a serious injury and missing that much time, it could very realistically take him time to shake off the rust and get back to being the Ilya Mikheyev we're used to seeing. You're already in a situation where you've got Phil DiGiuseppe in a full-time top six role and Dakota Joshua uh, potentially on your third line. And this is only with one guy in Mikheyev who's currently um, hurt. So if you subtract Garland from the equation, immediately I'm looking at the top nine winger situation and I'm going, man, if you run into injuries, do you have enough second, third line, like legitimate drivers to, to be a playoff caliber team at even strength. So I, I also feel like you can't internally replace him yet until Pod Colson or Hoaglander break out, or you see that Mikheyev has returned and is back to um, being truly 110% and playing as, as well as he has been uh, last year before he properly went down or, or even before the way that he looked in Toronto. And even with Mikhail, let's not forget, he's a guy that's been injury prone. He has not been a player that has a lengthy history of playing full 82 game season. So teams, I don't want to say depth because again, they have enough guys. They have enough of the Stanika Oman tier players that could step up into fourth line roles, but higher up the lineup, I don't know if they have that secondary wave of five-on-five offense to be able to justify moving off of him uh, for nothing at this point. The timing just seems so weird to me. Like, that's what I keep coming back to. And I understand the new agent, you know, being aggressive and all that. We've seen that in the reports. But it just it just seems like weird timing. Like, it's always fun when we see stuff that gets out like this. It's always fun to guess who leaked it like was it the team that told the told Friedman this or was it the agent and I'm not going to guess obviously but you know the timing you just look at the timing and it just seems so so strange uh to have this come out right now and Garland was asked about it at morning skate we don't have the audio because I got the audio literally five minutes before the show was starting we were already running late with all this uh redoing that we've had to do but basically what he said was that he just wants to focus on being a Canuck and he kind of, he didn't say whether the report was wrong. Didn't say it was right. Just said it's up to his, it's his agent's job or whatever. You were there, right? Do you have any takeaways from what Garland said and what Alvin said? Yeah. So it's again with Alvin, it's hilarious. I wonder if that report was embargoed where it's like, Elliot, you could drop this, but not until after Alvin, (laughs) Alvin is finished speaking. So nobody can ask him about it, but no, in in all seriousness, even the Garland scrum was hilarious because you could tell that when he was asked about it, he didn't deny it, which right off the bat, if it was untrue, a guy in that situation is going to flat out deny it. Well, but you could yeah. tell that right before the season, nobody wants it to be a distraction or a storyline. Nobody wants to cause headlines. So he's just trying to continue to stick to this. Oh, I'm just focused on the season. We've got, we got a big game uh, com- coming up ahead. But the media vets weren't going to let him off the hook easily. They, they just kept circling back four or five times. And um, 
just like putting putting him in a spot where his back was kind of against the wall and he was in an awkward spot where he was trying to get away without saying anything. Uh, but again, the fact that he didn't deny it and confirm that he changed agents within the last 48 hours, something's clearly up. And again, the fact that he didn't deny it, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. Any takeaways from Alvin before we move on to our poll question that has absolutely nothing to do with what we've talked about so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it with um, with Susie in a bit, but sounded like some positive news in terms of the fact that he skated uh, before the main team practiced, uh, which uh, which is a positive sign. Alvin said that he wasn't sure if the timeline had necessarily shifted, but the fact that he's on the ice already uh, called it a lower body injury. It seems like he's progressing well, and that he won't will not be going on. LTIR, which uh, is a good sign in terms of him perhaps coming back sooner uh, than later. So he's just returned from his wedding, uh, and he's in the YouTube live chat talking. Faber's already getting back to work. He's in the YouTube live chat, and he's going to help us out here because Faber has listed six teams with the cap space that can take on Garland. It's Detroit, Arizona, Nashville, Anaheim, Buffalo, and Chicago. Of those teams, Harmon, my guess is that in in reality, Nashville, Chicago, and then maybe Buffalo and Detroit are the only teams that would actually want to add Connor Garland to their team. So Faber threw out a little uh, question, and our poll question is going to come up soon. But Faber threw a question in the chat here. He said, here's a question. Would you be frustrated if the Canucks traded Garland plus a third, fourth, or fifth round pick for Dante Fabro with the Nashville Predators. What would you think of that trade? Interesting. Um, it's not bad. I have to watch a lot of Dante Fabro tape to, to see where, where he's at because, you know, he was a bit up and down last year. Probably a third pair guy at this point. Look, if that, I, I'll say this if that offer was on the table, I think the Canucks would like it to bolster their blue line depth, especially on the right side. He may still have some fringe upside as a, as a four or five option. He'd probably be an immediate upgrade on Myers. You know what? It, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, to be totally honest, especially because looking up Fabro's contract right now, two and a half million. Yeah. You'd save two, like you'd, you'd carve out two and a half million as well. I, I wouldn't be frustrated with that now that I, now that I think about it. But again, I, it's not like I've I'm in a position where I've watched a ton of Fabro tape lately to know exactly where where he's at um, in terms of his career and, and whether he whether he's a guy that can hang in the top four or more just a guy that you look at and go he's an okay bottom pair guy but nothing more than that because if it's the former then that's a legitimately intriguing possibility um, if it's not then I don't love the idea of giving up another draft pick considering how many mid-round picks this regime has continued bleeding so that'd be my initial take but I'm curious to to get your thoughts mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, he played for the Coquitlam Express, so I want him on the first pair. But in all seriousness, you look at the depth on the right side. Like you said, he's an upgrade on Tyler Meyer, sure. Is he an upgrade on Cole McWard? Is he an upgrade yeah, on Noah Juleson? Like, yeah, absolutely he is. And those are the guys that we're talking like, okay, maybe they can play first first pairing minutes. They could play on the first pair with Quinn Hughes. So I like it. Um, I, I like I'll, it a lot more I... for the later pick that you're giving up. But still, it's just it's back to the same conversation that you should just wait. Like at the end of the day, I think you should just wait. Even if that offers on the table, I think you wait, play out the season. But also why would Nashville do that? They're already, exactly. they already have so many young sort of forwards who are pu- trying to push for, for big roles. I mean, in that middle six, you've got uh, Philip Tomasino where it's a year for him to finally sort of break out in a middle six opportunity. And, and you've got to give him minutes. They acquired Gustav Nyquist as their sort of bet in bet in the top six. Um, you've got Luke Evangelista, who is probably not talked about enough as an exciting potential Calder guy um, that's in the fold. I know Thomas Novak plays down the middle, but he, I believe, had 43 points in 51 games, and um, he's ready to to play a, a big role in the top nine. You've still got Cody Glass playing down the middle, who is looking to seize bigger roles at even strength and um, and five on five again in, in the top nine. That's a young retooling team that doesn't have an obvious winger need. So it just kind of goes back to my point that you bring up the teams with cap space. Even in Detroit, they have a lot of middle six options, especially after having upgraded with guys like Daniel Sprong. Uh, Buffalo is another team you mentioned, and they've got Jack Quinn out. But they're a team that they're trying – like once Quinn is healthy, they have their own Garland-like contract in Victor Olofsson. They have a like Olofsson's a one-dimensional scorer. I think he, I think he's been a guy that has had almost four, thirty goal potential, uh, but he sucks defensively. And they were looking to potentially shop, shop him in the summer, but they kept him because Quinn is um, is hurt at least for the first half of the season. It sounds like so. Why would they look to take him on um, when they've got an already another winger contract that they don't love and is expiring soon. And, and again, especially with the term left with Garland, three years left, I, it's, it, it's a difficult fit, but it's funny that, you know, for all the reasons I'm bringing up for why it doesn't make sense for a trade to work, to work out, watch like 30 minutes after we get off the show, somehow the Canucks are going to find a fit and we'll all look like idiots. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think what it comes down to is just keep him, keep him till the end of the year. Like just, yeah. just keep him. 
let it play out the season. Let's see if there's this market correction, all that sort of stuff. Okay, it's time for our very topical Atlas Goods poll question. Bring it up here, Aaron. Uh, go to atlasgds.com, use promo code CC15. That will get you 15% off your first order of Pop Rinds, locally owned and operated out of Surrey, British Columbia. Hot, almost said high carb, low carb, high protein snack. Uh, they're delicious. They come in a little bag. You know, you get the little pellets, like one eighth of a cup makes you a full serving. It's crazy. It's like popcorn, but with pork rinds, like you've never had them before okay let's get it up Aaron our poll question here our poll question like I said very topical how do you feel about the Sam Lafferty trade again I wrote this at nine in the morning when I originally scheduled our show not thinking that this all would happen we're going to talk about Lafferty tomorrow but Harmon let's just get your thoughts here Uh, I was with the majority here I voted that it was a good trade 72% of voters saying it was good 10% saying they love it 5% saying they hate it it's a bad trade and 13% say they are angry where do you fall here yeah i don't mind it i think uh lafferty checks some stylistic boxes that sure it's easy to say the canucks have a lot of bottom six wingers and why would you pay an asset to get another one that's a fair point but lafferty has specific traits that can distinguish him from the pack for starters it's the size and um and the physicality especially in conjunction with the speed with him being such a quick skater. This forward group, my colleague Thomas Drance broke this down in the summer, is small relative to the Pacific Division comp- uh, competition. And especially when you then on top of that, look at the back end and you think about the lost Luke Shen, who was one of your most physical players. The lost Kyle Burrows, who wasn't the biggest guy, but was a heart and soul, physical presence, could drop the gloves. and you sort of looked at this roster and kind of went, this group might be a little bit too easy to push around. And look, Lafferty isn't a a prototypical enforcer or or tough guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a big boy at six foot two and 205 pounds. He's got a nonstop motor. He's got the speed. He's got, he's a menace on the four check. And yeah, he does drop the gloves in a pinch. He, he brings a similar sort of heft and grip to what Dakota Joshua has. And the Canucks don't have enough of that Joshua-type heaviness, especially because Pod Colson could have been that type of um, piece, not obviously with the fighting aspect, but in terms of the heavy forecheck, big body, wins battles, um, is a bigger body that is just sort of tougher to move, uh, move off of down low. And because of his disappointment, they aren't going to have that presence in, um, in the bottom six right now. So... That's one aspect. And then the other aspect is the penalty killing and specifically with his um, ability to win faceoffs as a right shot. I've seen a lot of people talking about him as a centerman. He's not really a center, even though he's listed as such on NHL.com. But on the PK, he can win draws as a right shot option. And considering how much this team has been torched by situations where they've lost a faceoff and immediately surrendered a goal... Uh, I, I think that's legitimately valuable, especially because you were previously looking at it and going, could they be forced to lean on Miller in a bigger PK role, similar to last year, uh, just for faceoffs? Even though when you look at the numbers, you look at the statistics, Miller's goals against rates have been some of the worst in the NHL. So now I'm looking at it and going, okay, hopefully 
Lafferty is a guy that can take draws alongside Bluger on the first PK unit. And that means less of Miller on the PK, which allows him to be fresher and, and you don't need to lean on him in that role. So I, I'd say the physicality and the defensive PK side are the two areas that I'm looking at and going, that's how he can differentiate himself from the rest of the bottom six pack. And hopefully he can be a sort of bigger version of, of Tyler Mott. I love that. And yeah, like that's what it came down to. I saw people complaining about giving up a fifth. I, I don't know. Wouldn't you give up a fifth to bring Tyler Mott in right now? I, I, I think I would on this team. Like I think Tyler Mott would be useful. So a bigger Tyler Mott, uh, I think is something that this team definitely needed. I'm excited to see Sam Lafferty. Uh, wearing the curse number 18. So hopefully he can kind of break that because the last two guys to wear it, uh, their careers have not gone too, too well uh, in Vancouver. Okay, Harmon, uh, you had something you want to talk about with Carson Susie week to week. And it's so funny because I was at Faber's wedding and I was playing catch up and I just, I almost missed that Susie was even hurt, but that he was out week to week. Like this didn't look good when we saw the injury. Obviously he gets tied up with Igor Sharon Govich um, in Calgary in that game that they played, the final preseason game at Rogers Arena. It's exactly what you don't want to see in the final game of the preseason, and it looks like it's going to be a while without Carson Soucy here. What do you think about all this? Yeah, and there are still some moving parts because the Canucks only skated with um, five defensemen at practice, so they're presumably before the game tomorrow still is going to be more roster juggling, perhaps an emergency recall for somebody like uh, Akito Hirose. But look, in the big picture, this is the first big test of this team's blue line depth because, yeah, it's unfortunate to lose Susie early in the year, especially tough schedule. You're on the road, so you're not going to be able to dictate matchups in terms of not having last change as much. But it's inevitable that over the course of the, of the season, you're going to run into a lot of injuries and you're going to be leaning on your Akito Hirose's, your... Um, Noah Juleson's, Cole McWards, Guillaume Brisebois, that Christian Wallanen's like that tier of depth defensemen. And it's so fascinating because down the stretch last season, that tier of defensemen, all of them looked pretty good. And we looked at it and went, wow, especially since it had happened under Talkit in the last 30 games, you're going, man, this could this could be different. And you maybe don't worry as much if this team runs into blue line injuries, at least in the bottom of the uh, bottom of the lineup. But the fact of the matter is through training camp and preseason, it's been a little bit shakier and shakier. And I've been a little bit unimpressed with uh, the the fact that whether it's a Wolanin or uh, a Juleson, that that tier of, of defensemen, those a couple of those guys I expected a little bit more of. And so we'll see, because if they fare at the level that they did down the stretch last season, Right, if Hirose comes in and he plays like he did in the whatever four or five games that he got into, then you're not really worried about weathering a short-term Susie injury, especially because the way Talkit had been rolling his rolling the D pairs through camp preseason, it's not as if they had been using Susie exclusively next to Hughes, and he's playing in the top four. And now you've got this big hole next to Hughes, Susie looked as if he could have potentially been starting on a third pair. And uh, from that standpoint, if you get that version of Hirose, um, if he's the guy that gets called up or, or if Breeze ends up being ready and, and he's the one that goes, then you're fine. But look, I'm a little bit nervous overall about the state of the club's blue line depth. Um, 
I, I don't know. It feels like you have a lot of options, but I, I just don't feel comfortable. I mean, you even look at a guy like um, Matt Irwin, who played 61 NHL games last season for the Capitals, and yet he comes in and he gets lit up in preseason. And it's like, okay, I'm, a, I'm less confident in him as a depth option than I was um, before camp started. So we'll see. And it's why I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't make a waiver uh, claim for somebody like a Dylan Coughlin uh, or a Zach Bogosian. So I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't made a depth trade. And, and honestly, that's the strongest counter argument for the whole, you know, why did you give up a draft pick for Sam Lafferty? Honestly, the strong, strongest counter argument is, well, that asset should have potentially gone to bolstering your depth on the blue line instead. So um, we'll see how things progress. It's, it's honestly a, a legit uh, question. Although the good news, of course, is Susie's coming back sooner. So, Yeah, we saw him on the ice today. Uh, skated on his own. So definitely a very, very good sight to see. Another good sight to see is going to be Chris Faber emceeing our event at Greta for the Canucks' first road game of the season on Saturday, October 14th, when they will be in Edmonton to take off the Oilers. That's right. We're having our Canucks Army kickoff party at Greta Bar YVR over there on Cordova Street. Harmon, you and I talked about it on the last episode. Greta is a great place to be. You and I are going to be in Edmonton, so we won't be there. But we're having a kickoff party of our own. They got Greta's in Edmonton, too. We know that, baby. Uh, $2 hot dogs. You got the $12 Army nachos. Lots of different stuff. And if you buy your ticket, which is on nationgear.ca, $10 ticket, you get a $30 play voucher, like a game card and a swag bag. And, hey, I've seen some of the Canucks swag bag that's going to be in there, the Canucks Army uh, swag that we're going to be giving away. Lots of good prizes. It's looking Real, real good, folks. It's going to be a fun event. Make sure you go get your tickets at nationgear.ca. Okay, Harmon, do you have anything else you want to talk about uh, before we get to Betway here? Not immediately, no. Okay. So I got a lot. I got a lot in Betway here. Yeah. So on Friday, Aaron and I, our technical producer, Aaron, you can bring yourself in. Our technical producer, Aaron Bordado and I, uh, very very confidently advised everybody that the Atlanta Braves are winning the World Series. Don't overthink the NLDS with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies are hot, but it's the Braves. They got the best lineup in the history of the sport. It's it's probably going to be a sweep. And then the Phillies come out, spank them in the first game. And then the second game, they fall down 4 nothing. And Aaron and I are panic texting each other about having to face the losing. fine people. I was losing it. <laughs> having to face the fine people on Tuesday and talk about uh, what ended up happening. But thankfully, the Braves got it done. Uh, our Atlanta Braves got it done. That series is tied at one apiece. And we have a non-Betway bet. But uh, Aaron, you got the clip here. We, we don't usually do non-sport, non-hockey clips, but you got the clip here of uh, of how that game ended. And it was just an electric call. Even the people on the podcast should enjoy this one. So we all know Quads is a baseball guy, which we do share that together, actually, Quads. Me and you are both baseball guys. Shout out to Riverhawks. But yeah. Um, yeah, I had $100 on the game too, which was stupid because it was minus money <laughs> but i was so confident that they're not going to drop two in a row right well they were down four nothing bright and early in that game all of my confidence was out frank saravoli from philly just knowing i'm going to get it from him all the stuff i said on the show 
I even texted quads and I said, I'm not, I'm not doing the show tomorrow if they lose, but shout out to our guy, Austin Riley. So the Braves hit a go ahead home run, the bottom of the eighth inning to take the lead. But the real highlight was actually in the top of the ninth. And I fun. I have the clip right here. So we can take a peek here. Man on first base. Buddy hits a deep shot out to center field. Michael Harris makes a ridiculous catch, throws it back in to second base. Riley comes from third, double play, tags up Bryce Harper. Game is over. The Braves are alive. And I don't look like a complete idiot out here today in front of these Vancouver fans. So it was a good game, and I hit my bet. So it's Can very have- funny. Yeah, go on, Herman. Can we please get the play by play if they lose? <laughs> like he's taking this victory lap for a game <laughs> it's a funny thing as i said right off top i was like oh even people on the podcast will enjoy because i thought we'd have audio of the call and then it was just aaron talking about what was happening on the play i'm like okay maybe they wouldn't enjoy that as much so let's get to today's uh bet way better the day the people in the youtube live chat including chris faber um is saying that they're getting a little bored of the baseball talk whoa is he here he's here oh, yeah. The man himself, he's here. What did you guys just say? You don't you don't want to look like an idiot? Well, you guys all look like idiots right now. Even you, Harm, I'm linking you into this, letting this baseball stuff go on the show. The chat is pissed, and I see why. We're not doing baseball on the show. I got my monster. I'm all good. But, yeah, do your I'm best. I'm not a baseball guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humble guest. I, I, don't have veto, I don't have the power to veto baseball talk like you do, man. No, it's true. Okay, get to your bet here, then, I'll, then we'll chat for a little bit. But I got to get going. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Wow, comes in here, it's taking days off. Anyways, okay, bet way better the day. Let's go, Aaron. I got it, uh, got it unlocked. The NHL season starts tonight, boys. I know for us, it feels like it's going to start tomorrow, but the NHL regular season starts tonight. And I can't remember exactly what my bet is. So, Aaron, if you could pull it up here. Uh, I, I did do a little bit of research on it, and I felt pretty good about it. Seattle Kraken, I'm taking the money line. Listen to this, guys. Listen to my theory here, okay? You've got... The Vegas Golden Knights, who are going to be doing the most over-the-top, ridiculous, like, I'm telling you this now, it's not, I don't know anything about it yet, this is being recorded at 2.13pm on Tuesday, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to do the most over-the-top, annoying Stanley Cup celebration uh, ever, I think, like, they're going to hang their banner, I think it's going to be 30 minutes before the puck actually drops, they're going to be feeling real good about themselves, and then they're going to pull up a stinker in front of their home fans. Uh, the most expensive ticket for opening night. I can't remember where I read that, but that's the most expensive ticket of any any opening night around the league. The cheapest ticket to a game in Vegas tonight is like 200 bucks. Uh, so the Seattle Kraken are in town. The Seattle Kraken are going to take the win against the defending cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. A $10 bet over at Betway, Betway, Betway returns you $25 with plus 150 odds. Must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Okay, Chris, you want to talk about baseball or you want to talk about your wedding? <laughs> Look Let's at the go. ring. Showing off the ring. Look at, uh, yo, know, I like that, that the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I like that yeah. ring. I like hot. that. Pretty uh, pretty unreal weekend. We'll spend a little bit more time tomorrow on the show, but uh, yeah, everything went pretty much perfect. Even the, the only thing that wasn't quite perfect was the the entrance to the reception. We wanted to do the, the thing from the office. Uh, we missed the drop of, a little bit, but it ended up working out in the end. Everything else was pretty good. 
Um, speeches went well. Everything was awesome. It was crazy getting to the actual day of the wedding where, like, everything was pretty chill. Like, on the day, I feel like. The day before, Quads, you know this. I was yelling at everyone pretty hard uh, the day before the wedding, especially getting that reception dance set up. Uh, but everything ended up working pretty damn good. So uh, we'll spend some more time tomorrow. I just had to jump in here with all this baseball talk going on. I was not having that. Uh, but Harmon, thank you for filling in the last couple of days. Wish you could have had you out there, but I'm glad you got to go see your sister as well. Um, so I'll see you at the rink tomorrow, probably, Harmon. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, I, I, I just want to hear, though, did uh, Quad slip in any goalie or baseball talk into his speech as well? <laughs> the what i quads you told me this i think I, I think it was the night of like after the speeches and maybe around the dance floor at some point you you wanted to open up your speech by saying hello canucks fans welcome back to another conversation <laughs> uh but quads speech was great we got a lot of the video uh as well so i think we're gonna post that on the patreon right quads we're gonna get that up on the patreon because i Fine. we're waiting for our videographers to get it uh because they have a little bit of a better better video than i think your your girlfriend recording it so yeah. Uh, whatever we'll get it up on the patreon pretty soon it was a good speech and you your speech i have to give you props here because i think you were you were the second last one to go we snuck bryce in there late to do a speech your speech everything that you wanted to hit on you said was like talked about from the other people ahead of you so this whole thing I... about you coming in with all this confidence as the closer you didn't have any of that because they took all your material but you did a good job you went on the fly uh and i know you want to say what uh, what the mc told you after as well he, he thought you were pretty funny well, I just want to say that your now mother-in-law gave, I think, I think I talked about this with a few people. I think you were one of oh. them. Gave the best wedding speech in the history of weddings. I'm pretty sure. She was also off the cuff. Get her on the pod. Get her on the show. She doesn't need any prep. She's just like me. Uh, and I went up and she, she honestly, like she did a really good job and she said a lot of the things that I was going to say. She did a fantastic job, but I had my notes in front of me and I'm like, this has been said by one person. This was said by the mother-in-law. This was said by the mother-in-law. And I don't know if I could say her name. I, I feels yeah, rude yeah. keep calling her the mother-in-law. But Wendy, uh, she's great. Uh, she did a really, really good job. But my problem was I had no, no material left because everything was said. And I guess I should have guessed that people would say a lot of the things that were said. But I was able to pivot pretty quickly. And I really quickly worked in a joke about how I do no prep on the show. And that I'm sure you expected nothing less of me. Uh, for the wedding speech but I felt pretty good about it I didn't uh yeah I really didn't prep much I, I just went off the cuff and it, it was pretty easy though you know obviously I see you uh and your wife now wife I see you guys both a lot so it was pretty easy to speak from the heart on that one yeah it was uh it was awesome. I felt bad because my mom had to follow up uh Nikki's mom and my mom's whole speech was just like about getting like the whole family to bang the table and say one of us and so after Nikki's mom delivered like this seven minute, just the most amazing. We're we're gonna post like I was telling him like we have to post that speech on YouTube. Like it is it is it was unreal. I know it was just my wedding, but I think everyone was saying that that like that was one of the most amazing speeches we've ever heard. So uh, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Har- Harm, you got anything for me? Any questions for about the wedding before we? You won't be here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, how different is your life now? Uh, how does it feel to be a married man? Like, uh, <laughs> give give some advice and wisdom to us. Uh, uh me and quads a uh, younger generation <laughs> you know i love giving you life advice harm i love your your questions about life about what's it like to live with a woman what's it like to be married you're all your your big life questions uh everybody's advice was the exact same going into the wedding they all said like take a moment to like think about you and, and we took a few of those throughout the day which was great but there was like the coolest part was like when the dance floor was going on like the dance floor was just starting to heat up around 10 o'clock and i remember like being in the very center of it and like looking around and it was just like every face that you like 
noticed was like, oh, these are like the best people in your life. And like everybody's having a great time. There's enough drinks flowing at that point so that everybody was having a very good time. Uh, and that was great. I don't I don't know if anybody uh, had more to drink than your girlfriend there, though, Quads. I saw Victoria at the end of the night. and She was bragging about uh, she ran out of fingers on how many drinks in the night. Oh, for yeah. her. Was, she definitely uh, I'm sure she had a rough morning. It's the morning been usually after. the other way around. Every time I've been out, it's been um, it's been Victoria taking care of Quads. Well, I had a tie around my head at the end of the night, and her and I were both dancing pretty hard, so I'm not going to... No, no further comment, but I do know I had my tie uh, around my head at one point, and my collar popped, and shirt unbuttoned, so I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good time. Get after it. Yeah, great time. Um, all right, I'll let you guys close this thing out. Uh, you can cut me off here, Aaron. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be at 1 o'clock tomorrow, because it's Wednesday. Frank Saravalli is going to join us on the show, so we'll get some more wedding advice uh, from Frank, but we'll spend some time off the top. We'll tell we'll tell some stories. I know uh, I even got some photos. We have to bring up our our photographer. The amount of time she wanted us to do like the the gangster. She said, "Look at a gangster. Roll your hands like this." And those <laughs> photos, like we got some some real good looking album covers from the boys shoot down on the beach there. That was a good time. So we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But Aaron, you can cut me off. I'll let you guys finish off the rest of the show, uh, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Back tomorrow, at one o'clock. All right. Thank you for joining the show, Chris. We will uh, we will see you tomorrow. And Harmon, thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, friend of the show, Chris Favor, for hopping on for a quick guest hit here. Uh, what a bizarre show. Like, we, we were planning on Sam Lafferty talk, and maybe we'll get to Carson Soucy. And what a bizarre show. I had no idea Favor was victory lap on the Braves. They aren't yeah. even up in the series. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Ty. We're, just, we're taking a victory lap that they didn't lose. They didn't lose, and we're very happy. World Series, and you guys are just parading around. Anyways, go cracking tonight. That's my uh, that's my new I hope bet. There's, the I hope there's a game seven loss, and it lines up so that I'm on the show, and I can do the play-by-play walking through the Phillies winning it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I got to say, if the Braves lose, I do want that to be the case where you can come on the show and do a play-by-play of it. I'm sure you'll do it no matter when the game is. You'll, you'll be on the show yeah. at, uh, at some point here. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, uh, our thanks to today's special guest, uh, Chris Faber, for joining us. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Quads and Faber. New episodes every weekday, 1.30 across the board, except for Wednesdays, 1 o'clock. We'll see you there live on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. For more information, visit CanucksArmy.com. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 